What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, what are you made of? What are you made of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Guys, first of all, let me uh, just say that I'm so thankful that you come to watch or listen to these podcasts and for your support and following of the What Are You Made Of movement. And let me just remind you that the What Are You Made Of movement is all about turning setbacks, letdowns, negativity, including people, into mm-hmm. rocket fuel for your future. And we always talk about rocket fuel because regular fuel does not get you into orbit. And orbit is where we all want to go away from gravitational pull, which is suppressors. And uh, so that's a big deal for me is rocket fuel. Make sure you say rocket fuel when you're converting your setbacks. And let's all understand where we're going, guys, and where we're shooting for. And matter of fact, we never get there. A lot of times we'll get to a level and there's always another level above it. So uh, with that being said, I want to introduce my guest today, Jeff Woods, who is the co-author of the book, The One Thing, also with Gary Keller. A book that I read that was influential to me. Um, it's one of the main books that uh, that was influential in my career. Obviously, real estate agent now running a large mortgage division. My wife being a realtor. Uh, prior to reading the 10x rule, that was the book that I was really going off of and running my business. So, uh, with that being said, Jeff, welcome to the What Are You Made of podcast. Yeah, pleasure to be here. And uh, just point of clarification: so Jay Papasan's the co-author. I'm partners with Gary and Jay in turning the book into the company that exists today. All right, you know, I like to mess up on purpose sometimes. Sorry about that. So, but you are the vice president of the company? Yes. With them. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, what is the company? Let's start off by talking about that company for a second. Now, I read the book, uh, but the company, what does the company do? We change the way people view time. When not you think just, about it. Not just in real estate, but anyone. In oh, business dude. And- 80%, 80% of our database and customer base has nothing to do with real estate. Even though Gary started Keller Williams, which you fast forward, it's the largest real estate company in the world. I mean, this book, it's one of the highest rated business books of all time now. And it, it's because when we think about our time, it's our most valuable resource. The problem is most people go through their day spending it, not investing it. You know, Mike, if I ask you, think about the people that, that you know and work with, when they open their computer, what's the first thing they do? Uh, probably check email or uh, social media. Until they go to A. Um, that's, what I, that's what I do. What, I give up. They go meeting. to a meeting. Oh, a meeting. A meeting. Okay. Yeah. okay. You yeah, get yeah. out of the meeting, realize you got five minutes, you check email, and then okay. somebody yeah, calls yeah, yeah. And says, hey, you got a minute? And you ever had one of those days, Mike, where you were so busy and you looked up at the end of the day and you thought to yourself, I was busy. Did I get anything done? Yep. Yep. It happens all, all the time. And frankly, it's not your fault if, if this resonates with you, but the way we were taught, the way society has normalized things and the way most, most cultures are inside of companies, people spend their time. They don't invest it. So when you ask, what does the business do? We help people better invest their time by having a relationship with their goals so they can achieve extraordinary results. Yeah. And, and time is, is similar to what people do with money. It's the same thing. They spend money instead of investing it. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, but time is more scarce than money. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is a big deal for me and my organization and my coaching. I talk about it all the time, buying time. 
you know, you can invest time and you can also buy time as well. So leverage. Uh, yeah, leveraging. So before we go any further with that, let's go into what you're made of, because that's what the show's all about. Yeah. And uh, if I were to ask you that question, what are you made of? How would you answer that? Potential consistently being realized. Potential consistently being realized. And when would you say that was the case in your life? Oh, man. Uh, it's, it's the last five years for sure. But um, let's talk about how I got here, because I think it's very much aligned with what are you made of and how do you turn the setbacks into greater successes. Prior to co-founding this company with Gary and Jay, I was in medical device sales, which was awesome job. I got to run through hospitals every day. I sold a device that actually saved lives. And I think like a lot of people, I was experiencing this moment where even though things were good, I was actually lacking fulfillment. I, it was that moment where I'm going, this is good, but I meant for more. And that gap was starting to get more and more painful. The challenge is I didn't know where exactly I wanted to go. I didn't know how to realize that potential. So I did nothing. Two things happened that changed that. First, a colleague of mine had a stroke. He was 35 years old. I remember my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County, just had our first child, and my wife decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And I remember standing in the kitchen, looking down at my scrubs, asking if what happened to my colleague happened to me, what happens to my family? That was like a knife to the gut. Then the next week, my company needed to make a change to our commission structure in order to remain competitive in the marketplace. And overnight, 40% of my income evaporated. And in that moment, I realized that my secure, stable corporate job, I wasn't actually in control of. I was not in control of my income or my future. They were. Those two things ratcheted up the pain. And all of a sudden, I heard this Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I actually made a list of who my five were, Mike. I looked at the list, felt an immense sense of gratitude, and then had an aha moment. My dream was to wake up one day owning a big business that made a big impact in the world and delivered real security for my family. And my five were not business owners making a big impact, delivering real security for their family. I had the wrong five. Now, to be clear, those people are still in my life today. They are my friends. But in that moment, I realized they were not my mentors. I was seeking guidance from people who were not qualified to give it. So you put me in that moment where it's like, colleague has stroke, income gets slashed, I don't have the right mentors. That's when the setback set me up for everything else that was to become. And so how did you find the right person or people? Well, first and foremost, I just started taking action. I didn't know who the right people were, but I knew I needed to do something. So I started investing my time, going to networking meetings, going to meetups, investing in, in mastermind groups. And as I started to get in the room with really successful people, something surprised me, which was the most successful people showed up looking to give, not looking to get, which blew me away. Because I was that guy that if you're talking to me, I'm asking, can you help me? And if not, I'm immediately not interested and I'm looking over the shoulder. That was me back then. And all of a sudden you're seeing the real successful people are present and they're trying to add value. So I started to embody that. You fast forward, it's our national sales meeting for my medical device company. And out on stage walked Jay Papazan, who co-authored The One Thing with Gary Keller. And for the next hour, he blew my mind. The whole time he was talking, I'm asking, what could I do to make Jay one of my five? And then of course, all the limiting beliefs, like what could you say to him to make him interested in you? What could you give him to make it worth his time? When he came off stage, I cornered him. Knowing what I had learned from the people I had seen in the room, the successful ones, I knew I had to come from contribution. How can I contribute to this guy? No freaking clue. But let's try to find out. And I asked him, I said, out of everything you're focusing on, where do you need help most right now? He said, we're looking for more exposure for the book. He didn't know that I had started a podcast at the time. So I, I said, I'd love to interview you and promote the book. He said, yes. End of the interview. 
What are you focusing on? How can I help? We're looking for more exposure for the book. He didn't know I had relationships with a bunch of other podcasters, so I got him booked on all their shows. A month later, I emailed him. What are you focusing on? How can I help you? We're looking for more exposure. He didn't know I wrote for Entrepreneur Magazine at the time, so I wrote an article, published it, saw him sharing it on social media, and I asked, guess what? What are you focusing on? How can I help? Four freaking times. In that moment, he responded differently. And he said, we're actually looking for a CEO for a publishing company. And in that moment, I actually thought of three people that I thought would be a good fit. And when we got on the phone so I could hear the job description and make an intro, I realized he didn't describe the guys I knew. He described me and the rest is history. Now, when you were doing that and asking if you could help and provide value to him, did you really know what you were doing? Or did you just hear about that before? You witnessed it before and you were like, yeah, let me try this. No clue. I had no clue what I was doing. But what I learned was that you don't have to be the person that has their solution. It's six degrees of separation. If I understand what, where you need help, three things are happening in my mind. One, am I that person? Rarely are you. But immediately your mind starts to wonder, do I know this person? Because it feels good to help another person. And if I know somebody that fits the mold, I'm going to consider making an intro. Or the third thing happens, which is in that moment, you're not the person, you don't know the person, but you actually subconsciously file it away in your mind. And as you're going through your days, if you come across that person, you might make the intro. And that's what I just realized. If I could get clear on where people needed help, I could start becoming a super connector and everything else happened. And that's where they say your network is your net worth. It's not necessarily getting something from someone right away that's in your network or anything. It's helping people and then things start to manifest themselves. And you know, the thing is, is that it feels good. It's like a, man, I got a guy, that feeling like when you can say that I got a guy, it makes you feel good. So, you know, being that connector is something that I've really, really been focused on over the last couple of years. And it has changed everything because when you like people know to go to you for those kind of things, it's, you know, anytime you need something, they're there for you. Most of the time, I should say. But uh, so that, that's how it got started. And then he introduced you to Gary. Well, Jay, Jay and Gary said the book had already become one of the highest rated business books of all time. The challenge was Gary's one thing is being chairman and CEO of Keller Williams. Jay's one thing is writing books with Gary. They knew they needed somebody whose one thing would be the one thing because they wanted to start a completely separate company. And that became me. So three of us started the company together. So let's talk about this. A lot of entrepreneurs are out there. They get ideas. They're all over the place. Instead of focusing on their one thing, you stuck with your job at first. And then how did that work out? Yeah. So I had my medical device job and I knew I was meant for more. And so as I started to get in the room with successful people, I started actually having mentors. And somebody, I remember it was the night before an event, somebody looked at me and said, dude, look at the people you're running with. You should like record those conversations and do a podcast. So I did. It was called The Mentee. And in less than 10 months, I turned that into a six-figure business on the side while holding down my medical device job. And it was because I had done that, that it actually qualified me to run this company because they were looking for somebody who had a strong sales background, who had a strong finance background. I majored in accounting, who also knew, knew how to turn content into dollars. So it was because I started that show and figured out how to monetize content that it actually qualified me to run this company. Now, when you started the podcast though, how did you figure out how to monetize it? Uh, did you have- You ready uh, for this? Yeah, I'm ready. In every episode, I would say, hey, I, I genuinely want to help you. If you'd like, we can get on the phone. And I gave them a link to my scheduler. I was using Calendly at the time. And people literally would just book time on my calendar. And my goal was to figure out what their pain was. I wanted to help them and I wanted to understand what their pain was. And when I started to talk to enough people, I heard a common theme. How do I find a mentor? And so I circled back with those people and said, what if I put together a program to help you find your first mentor? Would you want to do it? And they said, yeah. 
I said, how much would you pay for that? They told me, I said, great. Do you want to sign up? I'm pre-selling it and I'm literally going to customize it to the people. And I pre-sold everything. I started a continuity program. I started, I did online courses. I did masterminds, did it all, all pre-sell, all based on just genuinely trying to help people and seeing where the pain point was that I could actually solve. I love that. And that's what I do. Um, I'd never <laughs> create something first. Now I did the podcast first, but I, I don't create any of the coaching programs, any that I do until I sell it first, market it first. Uh, one thing that I want to ask you about though, is wouldn't you run into something where you find little interest? Because I've tried everything. I don't care yeah. if I fail, I'll just keep going. But when you find something that people had little interest in, there's only a few that purchase, then how do you pivot out of that? Or do you go ahead and fulfill those couple? If it's not a viable market, refund their money and move on. Yeah. Okay. But you know, I didn't have that problem then when I, as we got into the business of the one thing I started trying to do that, but this is where who you surround yourself with matters. I mean, Gary is a self-made billionaire with a B. And they really challenged me on getting clear on what's the value proposition first before I started to pre-sell things, which was definitely a journey for me. And if we are going to do something new, just like Domino's, how does it line up with what we already have? Because what I started to realize is um, a lot of business owners say yes to things that don't actually create synergy with what they already have. And for us, everything that we do, it has to line up and supercharge the things that are already in place, which is what's unleashing the growth of the business. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Now, when you have uh, entrepreneurs that are all over the place and have all these ideas, what do you recommend? And I've read the book, but what do you recommend for them focusing on one thing before moving on to another? Sure. If they, even if there's an alignment, to, yeah. you know, or is it okay to get someone, you get an idea, you get someone working on it. So you're not necessarily focused on it. You can kind of quarterback it where you move on to other things. Here's the thing. And let's just dispel this. We all have more than one thing. And by no means are we suggesting you only do one thing. But just like when you lined up dominoes as a kid or as an adult child for some of us, you did not stand them up randomly and flick each one down individually. You lined them up in a straight line with as much equal spacing as possible so that if you flicked the first one, all the rest of them would fall. We understood this as children. Yeah, when we got into our businesses, we threw that model out the window. And here's, I, I heard Gary tell, uh, teach a class. He always talks to the business owners, but he says one of the biggest challenges that business owners have is they start up their business, usually focus in a, in a specific area, and it starts to go really well. And then they think, oh, great, let me branch out and do this. And they, now they've got two parts of the business that are running and, and revenue is growing and profit is growing. And then they do something else and they keep adding things in. But what happens is they're banking on the fact that keep, things keep going well. What they're not accounting for is life happening. Because what happens when the golden goose, the core of the business starts taking a hit? Now, all of a sudden, like you're looking and saying, oh, I got time to take on another thing or take on one more product offering, but you're basing it on your time demands now. What happened when COVID hit? What happened when everything hit the fan? How was your time then? Because all of a sudden they realize, oh my gosh, I can't keep everything afloat. And that's why it's so important to be really clear about what is it that your business does? For us, we help people better invest their time so they can achieve extraordinary results. So if we are adding something new to the table, how is it helping people better invest their time so they can achieve extraordinary results? And who's going to own it? 
Who's waking up saying, that's my one thing, so that when things hit the fan, it's not falling back to me. I already have a job. I run the company. If you have to give me a piece of your job, you no longer have a job. Right. I love it. I love it. And that's one thing that I've uh, made the move over the last couple of years and getting out of the uh, actual managing of the loan level uh, operations mm-hmm. in the mortgage industry. And I felt a sense of guilt in that. One, moving from management from a loan officer back in the day to from there running the company rather than being involved with each individual loan and underwriting and mm-hmm. all that. And you know, a lot of people deal with this and this keeps a lot of people down, limits them in their progress in becoming a business owner or an entrepreneur or what have you is they get this guilt, like that, that grunt work, that dirty work that they're so used to. I, I shouldn't say that's a negative connotation, dirty work, grunt work, but that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And you know, I fought with that. And now I have in our organization, some of my partners are still producing branch managers and we're working on building teams underneath of them. We have a plan in place and all that, but still we find ourselves, and I'll say we, but we find ourselves going back and doing some of the things that you shouldn't be doing. And um, did you face that guilt factor at all or anything like winning through there uh, with do. your mind? We all do. And again, who you surround yourself with matters. And this is where you know I had, I had Gary saying, what makes a great entrepreneur is that they see all the stuff that needs to get done and they're enough of a Swiss army knife that they can take action on it and get the business off the ground. The mistake is because they have success, their ego grows and then they think they're actually good at it. And they hold on to things that they're actually not that good at. They're actually succeeding in spite of themselves, not because of themselves. Yet the people who move from being an entrepreneur to truly being a business owner are the people that understand that, hey, these specific tasks, that is perfect for an operations manager. And to find somebody who would wake up every single day whistling to work to do those things and they would do it at a world-class level, thus freeing you up. Like you were saying, buying your time back. And that's been on my journey is realizing where am I hitting against ceilings of achievement that I'm imposing on myself because I am unwilling to leverage things that frankly I could leverage. And that's very much been a journey that I have gone on. And now that I understand it, it's liberating. I remember hearing, you know, the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire? A millionaire sees an opportunity and asks, how can I do it? A billionaire doesn't lift a pinky until they find a person who can do it inside their world. That's what I've learned from Gary. He is a master of seeing opportunities. And just like with the one thing saying, it's not my one thing, Jay, it's not your one thing. Let's find somebody who will wake up saying the one thing's my one thing, and they can build it inside our world. Yeah. So is that how it goes from the start or they grind for a little bit, right? They have to learn how to find that person, right? They didn't lift a pinky on this business for almost two years until they found me. The book was published. They threw up a landing page so that they would start to build a database. Jay did a webinar once a month just to give some value to the people on the list. They did not lift a pinky to build the actual business until they found me. And one of the first things Gary said to me was, welcome to Austin, because I just moved from Southern California. Good luck. You're going to need it. And when I asked why, he said, you're going to want to make me your product. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're never going to get me on a podcast. You're never going to get me on a video. You're never going to get me to show up to a live event. I am not your product. Because if you need me, I don't need you. So go succeed without me. And he wouldn't, he, he would be available for, for calls, you know, for advice calls. We had, we had a monthly state of the company meeting, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Cause that's Jay's, that was Jay's job. Jay's job was to recruit the person and Jay to play more like the chairman of the board type of gotcha. role. Gotcha. Leverage it. And then so, so when that happened, then how did you go about adding employees and where did you start? We have a, we, we call it lead with revenue. So a lot of people lead with expense. Hey, let me just go, uh, 
let me throw up these landing pages. Let me go ahead and hire uh, somebody to drive Facebook ads for me. Let me just spend all this money and hope that money comes back. Absolutely not. That's not how we play it. You lead with revenue. I, um, my job description, the two to three things I had to do exceptionally well, or I was fired, that's our definition of a job description, by the way, was I had to prove that I could cast a vision for the business. I had to prove I could drive revenue and I had to, I had to prove I could re- recruit talent. And I had 90 days to demonstrate it or I was fired. Burn the ships, baby. How's that for an onboarding process, by the way? So was it now, was it really that dramatic? Or yes. Are you adding some drama to it? I'm just asking. I have to ask. <laughs> dead, dead serious. Dead serious. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I'm onboarding a woman right now to help me with our corporate training division. And I told her in the first 90 days, you have to prove that you could drive revenue. She has to generate $100,000 out of her own database in 90 days or less, or she's fired. She has to prove that she can train individually of me with at a really high level, or she's fired. And she has to prove that she can create content in 90 days, or she's fired. Dead serious. Love it. I love it. You know, everything doesn't matter equally. I'm sorry, giving you our HR handbook and walking you through the culture of the company. No, that's not what's going to make you successful. Get clear on the 20% things you have to do exceptionally well. Give them 90 days to prove they can do it or you're done. Yep. Yep. You know, I've had that in me for a long time. And uh, going back a ways, my mentors unleashed the animal inside of me that I had caged up Hmm. where I was at. I was saying that times and I would get pushback. And I didn't have the confidence to unleash it. Thought I was doing things wrong when I was holding people accountable. And once I unleashed that, our business shot up 800%. And so I, I firmly believe in that. I love it. You know, let, Let's talk about millionaire to billionaire. Is hmm. there a point from being around Gary uh, when you know he's got millions, right? And then all of a sudden it just starts to crank and it's like a snowball effect. Does that happen with people that are billionaires that have made it to that level where that at some point, they still got to work. They still got to focus and find people and still have attention on things, but it's just like that. I only know two, three, three that have gotten to that level. But what I can say is the compound effect, just like how in money, right, right, you know, right. it starts to grow over time. In fact, since this is, since people can see the video, let me show you this screen because this is, this is actually, this is in the book. You will recognize this and this will describe it perfectly. Can you give me the ability, make me a co-host so I can share my screen? Yes. So for people, uh, this goes back to the idea of dominoes. And back in 1983, there was a researcher named Lauren Whitehead. He published in the American Journal of Physics that a two-inch domino didn't just knock down one of equal size. It could actually knock down one that was 50% larger. So a two-inch domino could knock over three, three could knock over four and a half. Love and our, I love this yep, diagram. Yep. And what our team discovered was that if you kept taking extrapolating that out by the 18th domino, that tiny two-inch little domino that fits in the palm of your hand would actually knock down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. By the 23rd domino, the Eiffel Tower. 31 dominoes in, we are 3,000 feet above Mount Everest, the tallest peak in the world. And by the 57th domino, you could build a structure that would reach almost from the earth to the moon. And for those of you that are seeing this graphic, what you realize is that the majority of the time that the dominoes are falling, it's flat. It's not like it's scaling up infinitely. It's that hockey stick growth where you're doing things day after day after day after day, feeling like there's no movement. And all of a sudden, boom, hockey stick growth. This is the shape of success. This is how extraordinary companies are built, how extraordinary wealth is created, how extraordinary relationships are formed, extraordinary spiritual connection. It's not by doing everything. It's by having a vision of what that you want that life to look like, that 57th domino, and understanding that the path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. You get clear on that lead domino when you whack away at it day after day after day. Over time, it happens. So to come back to your question, Mike, I mean, you ask, 
what did it look like? Gary was really clear that in order for him to become the largest real estate company in the world, he could not do what you were talking about. Keep parts of the job and keep running through walls. He had to master succeeding through others. He had to master seeing an opportunity and asking, who am I missing? And attracting really talented people into his world and coaching them to the highest levels of performance. And when you do that over the course of almost 40 years, it's why he is who he is. Love it, man. And so what are the requirements when you or Gary are hiring someone? Um, because for me, just to give you an example, I don't care if a mortgage processor has mortgage processing experience. Mm. I'm looking for someone that has work ethic, willing to learn the right attitude and willing to buy into what we do. Yeah. Uh, but what kind of requirements do you guys look for? Minimum it starts, requirements. It starts with you. You have to be really clear on their job description. What's the 20% of their role that drives 80% of the results? Not the long list of things you're going to give them to do. What are the handful, the two to three? Like even when I was hiring this corporate trainer, I showed Jay the, the full job description and it was like all written up, ready for publishing out front. And he said, before I even look at this, tell me the two to three things they have to do or you're going to fire them. He literally asked me that. You've got to be that clear. And by the way, they need to be listed in order of priority. Because if you are that clear, then when you're having the, the initial screening call, you're asking the question, like in Cara's case, who I ended up hiring, can this person drive revenue? What questions could I ask them to understand? How would they go about generating revenue? Can this person actually train at a high level? What questions can I ask them to understand that? Can they create content? What questions? I don't care what their track record was. I want to know, can they do the job? Yep. Love it. So what's next for you and the company? And what do you guys got goal-wise for the next year to oh, dude, years? We're, we're just... We're very blessed that five years in, like it's just the company's exploding in all the right ways. So right now I am in the free myself mode, which is why I'm looking at the pieces of the business that I have jobs and I'm hiring people and making it their one thing. So our corporate training is blowing up because we've got anywhere from businesses like, with like five employees to, I kid you not, many of the Fortune 50 with 500,000 people that want to make this part of their culture. Every year we facilitate a couple's goal setting retreat that is we're doing virtually this year for obvious reasons, but that is just something that's really unique to us that's growing. And then uh, eventually we're going to be making a tech play here. So how do we create technology that helps people invest their time? You know, and I love this because, you know, I could tell you're passionate about this. Medical Dude, I, device sales, you, you're doing it for your vehicle at that time, I, I assume. Um, I've been in the same situation, in-home sales, the mortgage business. I, I like the mortgage business, but it's not a passion of mine. You know, I like building people. That's <laughs> what my passion is. And, you know, I'm on a mission to do that. And I, I can see that passion in you. And I, I just uh, appreciate that uh, in you. And uh, how can the audience get in touch with you, engage with you further? Absolutely. So first and foremost, you're already listening to a podcast. So if you click the search icon and type in the one thing, all spelled out the O-N-E-T-H-I-N-G, you'll find our podcast. We do an episode every single week. Our website is the one thing.com, but that's with the number one. So the one thing.com. And you can learn, we've got a training page where we've got some free courses to help you get started and lots more on there in terms of our events and the corporate training and, and all that. You'll find it there. And we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, before we go, Jeff, gratitude. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate anybody that wants to come on here and share with our audience. And if there's anything I can ever do, again, I don't know what it is, but if there's anything I can ever do, man, reach out. I'm always available to you. And uh, you guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike Searock. Please go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube, Mike Searock Scirocco. And by the way, the Rocket Fuel book is coming out at the end of this year. I'm so excited to get that in your hands, share my story, share some of my guests' uh, value that they brought to the show. 
Uh, you can get a free copy of that by going to the Mike C-Rock with no K, themikecrock.com. Till next time, guys, I'm your boy C-Rock. Let's get into orbit. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode.